Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. The doors were open, and we heard this like beautiful sound coming out of people singing, and we were like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. It's like the kind that you hear in movies, and you're like, whoa, there must be a light coming down. So we walk across the street, and we're like getting closer, and there's no signs or anything that say like what's going on, and the doors are wide open. So we're like, surely like we can just go in and observe. So that's what we do. We walk in. Um, I had to be the first, even though I don't think I'm like that brave, but they're all like, you go first, Peyton. I was like, okay. So I walked in. Um, And it was like true movie fashion where there's like this huge chorus or choir of people up here in robes. And then there's like a couple of people on the front two rows. And then there's like two people in the very back pew. And we're like, okay, be really quiet. So we walk in, we sit on the back and we're just like listening. We're like, wow, this is so amazing. And they're all, "Ah!" and it's beautiful. Not like that. Um, So we're sitting there, and just like song after song, they just keep singing, and it's like in a different language. I don't know, maybe Latin, I don't know. But we're like, wow, this is awesome. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I need to document this, because I'm like the typical millennial, so I'm like, I need to video this so I can show people later. So I slowly like get my cell phone out, and like no one, it doesn't seem like super casual or strict, But I'm like, maybe I'll just like be incognito, kind of. And so I start videoing, like just a teeny bit. Um, Coast is clear. No one comes and gets me. So then we're sitting there for, it was like 40 minutes at this point. And we're sitting there and we're like, wow, this is so cool. And there's like a couple people trickling in. So we're like, okay, we're totally normal. Like, this is good. We're here. Um, And all of a sudden, I feel like a tap on my shoulder. And I was like, like turned around. And this lady has a huge stack of, like, pamphlets. She's like, hi, are you here for the chorus? And I was like, um, yeah, I guess. And she's like, um, well, you're a little early. And I was like, oh, so is this, like, practice? And she's like, yeah, for the Newport Music Festival. And I was like, oh, cool, I didn't even know that was happening. She's like, yeah, but if you're going to be in here, one, you're going to have to delete that video because we can't let any, like, practice clips go out anywhere. And it's, like, $50 to be in here. Did you pay? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, we didn't. And she's like, well, would you like to? And we're like, no, no, we wouldn't. So we walk out and leave. Okay? Wrong place, wrong time. Nothing really too terrible came of it. I deleted the clip, and it was good. But sometimes we end up in the wrong place at the wrong time, right? And today, what we're going to be reading, it kind of happens to a guy in the story. He ends up at the wrong, in the wrong place at the wrong time. So if you have your Bibles or your devices, go ahead and pull it out and go to Luke chapter 10. That's where we're going to be tonight. We are continuing in the Shaped series, looking at the fruits of the Spirit. And tonight we're going over two, kindness and goodness. But I want to go ahead and read before we get into that. So Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. You can follow along on the screen too. All right, verse 25. 
Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, Jesus, to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law, and how do you read it? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you should love your neighbor as yourself. Then the lawyer said to him, or Jesus said to him, You answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, the lawyer, to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, and here he starts the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, and this is where the guy would go. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on him. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So two of the words used in this passage, in this parable of the Good Samaritan, as you may have heard it, are compassion and mercy. And tonight we're going to be using different words that mean close to the same thing, kindness and goodness. Now, you all are very intelligent high school students, and I know that you know what these words mean, or you know how to look in a dictionary to know what they mean. So some of you might say, kindness is doing something nice for somebody else. And I'd say, yeah, you're right. And goodness maybe is just like the act of being good in itself, like you are a good person. But what I want you to hear tonight is that kindness is what you do, And goodness is who you are. It's something that you are. Now, this is a parable, which just is a fancy word for a story that Jesus Jesus uses to make a bigger point. So, as I'm reading it and you're you're listening, you might have some questions. I had some questions. So what I want to do is I just want to walk through it and see what the bigger meaning that Jesus meant for it was. Instead of saying, yep, that happened and woo. We're going to walk through it, okay? So I want you to have your Bibles out, have your apps out the whole time, or be following along up there, okay? You can do it. All right, going back to verse 25, this lawyer comes to ask Jesus this question, how can I inherit eternal life? Most people think that this lawyer, this man of the law, was coming to kind of trap Jesus and get him to mix up his words to be like, oh, you said this one time, but now you're saying something different, which... I do a lot because I forget things. And I'm like, wait, no, no, no. But Jesus is way cooler than me, and so he doesn't do that. So he comes, and he's trying to trick him. And I love that he asks this one question, how can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus is like, there once was a man walking. And he's like, what? 
But Jesus tells this story, this parable, to answer his question, but not in a direct way that you and I might like or want sometimes. So he talks about this man that was going down from Jerusalem, and it kind of sets itself up as a knock-knock joke, you know, where it's like a Samaritan, a Levite, and a priest walk down a road, and you know what I'm talking about? Well, so we, in every good story, we have a protagonist and an antagonist, right? And then there's like a problem, something that happens. So in this story, the thing that would have been so astounding was that a Samaritan is the protagonist in the story. He's the good guy, right? He's the helper. Now, a Samaritan in this time was someone who was not like a pure, blue, true Jew. Okay? Pure, bright, blue, true Jew? No. He wasn't of Jewish descent, and so they would look at him as less than. You know, kind of like a shady type person, not as good as us, the Jews. And so for them to say, oh, the Samaritan is the good person in the story, that would just be absolutely insane. And then it gets better. A priest and a Levite come along, and they're the antagonists of the story. They don't do anything to help. Now the saying goes that all priests are Levites, because that's the tribe they come from to be priests, but not all Levites are priests. Does that make sense? So if you're a priest, you're going to be from the tribe of Levi, and if you're a Levite, you could be a priest if you, that's what you are, but not all priests are that. But these people are like in high esteem. They're like the good guys. But in this story, Jesus makes them the not good guys. And so I can only imagine what this guy's thinking. He's like, buddy, Jesus, you have the punchline wrong. It's a Samaritan, a uh, Levite, and a priest walk in, and the priest saves the day. You have it all wrong. But that's not how it goes here. Because it says the priest walks by, sees this guy half dead, there's something you need to know about this road that he was walking on. When they say it comes down from Jerusalem, it's not because Jerusalem's like on this hill and Jericho's like way down here. That's just how they would speak of it when people were leaving the temple. When you go to the temple, when you go to Jerusalem to meet with God, you're going up to meet with him, even though you may not physically be walking up a hill. So this guy, he's leaving Jerusalem. He's on this road that has massive rocks and hills coming up it, and it's kind of like a weird narrow alleyway is how I would say, how I would distinguish it today. And he's walking, and so there's like different crevices for people to hide in, and there's robbers there. And he gets beaten and bruised, and they take all of his stuff, and he's left half dead. And this priest, who's also coming for, from Jerusalem, from the temple most likely, sees him and goes, I'm going to walk on this side of the road. And I don't know how many times in life I've done that. Maybe not literally because someone's been on the side of the road, but because there's been something in my life, an opportunity to speak to someone or to do the right thing, and I've just walked around it. Because maybe I think I'm too good for that. That makes me look less than, or I don't have the time to deal with it right now. I got to go. I have my own agenda. And I don't know if that's where you are sometimes, but I've definitely found myself there. And then what's worse is the priest walks by, and then a Levite comes by. Same thing, coming down from Jerusalem. And he sees him, and he walks by on the other side. Completely goes out of his way not to mess with this person. 
and then good old Samaritan. I'm going to call him Sammy Samaritan, okay? Just because it makes it more realistic. Sammy Samaritan's walking by, and he what? It says he noticed him, and he had compassion. Verse 33. He had compassion on this man and thought, I can't just let this guy die. I have to do something. And so what's he do? He goes over to him, pulls out his medical kit, right? Some oil and wine bandages him up. And then, so this is kindness, right? He's doing him an act of kindness. He's doing him a favor. He's helping him. There's probably dirt in his wounds. He's cleaning that out. He's helping him. But then he goes the extra mile. He puts this man on his animal, which was probably some sort of mule or donkey, and walks him to this inn. And he doesn't just say, hey, you guys deal with him. But he actually takes money that he has made to have the innkeeper care for this guy. Now, if you're me and you're reading through this, I was like, what's two denarii? Well, scholars say it's about two days' wages. And so at this time, for an inn to pay that much, it could have been up to two weeks that he paid for this man to stay here, which shows how generous he was and how severe the beating was. You couldn't, he couldn't not do anything, even though these other guys did. So he generously says, here, here's my money, take care of this guy, and whatever else you have to pay out of your own pocket, I will come back and pay it. And that is goodness. Because he goes above and beyond just what is easy for him, what he has on him right there, and he, it takes something. It takes his own money to go and give this guy over to someone who can take care of him for whatever reason that the Samaritan couldn't stay there and do that. And so the generosity is who the Samaritan was as a person, saying, I've found him like this, and I can't leave him. Maybe he couldn't take him back home with him, but I, he can't just be like this. He can't just be bandaged up and say, hey, I hope you heal, buddy. But he goes above and beyond to take care of him. And remember, kindness is what you do, and goodness is who you are. So let's keep reading. He, I love that he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Probably a Jewish man is asking this. And Jesus says, who's the protagonist of the story? A Samaritan. Who is my neighbor? Somebody that you won't even look at. Somebody that you don't interact with, that you don't purposefully go towards and meet day to day. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers it with this whole question. And notice at the beginning, when Jesus asks him, okay, what's the law and how do you read it? In verse 27, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. One time, I was sitting at lunch in high school. And I always brought my lunch because... I thought the lunch there was really disgusting. Um, I don't know if it's gotten better, but like those long pieces of pizza that are like cardboard yoga mats, I wasn't eating that. So I brought my own lunch, and I was like a sicko to all my other friends because I really love tuna. Does anyone in here love tuna? Thank you. Thank you. I love tuna. So I would bring like those little packages of Starkist and just like eat it. 
like plain, and they're like, seriously, I feed Fluffy my cat that. You're disgusting. <laughs> but I would always bring that, and I would usually bring like some sort of fruit and like some sort of, um, what is it called, Debbie, a little Debbie cake? Because, you know, you got to have your sweet stuff in there too. So I would bring that like every day. And I would sit over kind of by the vending machines where it wasn't like too loud, and I'd have my little group of friends, and we were comfortable like talking each week. And I started noticing that this table that was like vacant, like a new kid showed up, and she was like super quiet, kind of almost mean, like we'd try to talk to her and she'd just be like, tuna girl, I don't want to talk to you. And so I kind of just like left her alone. And so this is to point to, I played volleyball in high school. It wasn't that good, but I still played and we still had to run. So lunch was important for me because I had practice after school. So this girl, she's like coming every day and she's like never eating lunch and not talking to anybody. More people other than myself have come up and asked her to join the tables or sat with her and she's like legit left because people have sat with her. And I'm like, man, what, like, is going on here? And I noticed she just, like, day in and day out didn't have food, didn't have food. And so I was like, Peyton, like, honestly, you had an omelet for breakfast, you're fine. So one day, and this isn't to pat me on the back because it's tuna. Like, nobody wants tuna. But I did leave my, like, little tuna packet and an apple over there just to, like, see what happens. And I realize now that it sounds like I'm trying to trap an animal, but I was just trying to be nice just to see like what was going on. Believe it or not, she ate the apple and I was like, yes, didn't eat the tuna. And I was also like, yes. And <laughs> she, it took her a while. Like she never said anything and I didn't say anything to her because I didn't want her to know that I did that. Okay, that's kindness. Like I left an apple, right? But not very long after that, she started like actually talking to people and people, like other people, brought her stuff and like ate with her and she didn't like run away and hate that. And one day I finally went over there and I brought two apples that day because I learned my lesson. And I just sat with her and I was like, hey, like, where'd you move from? We, I see you all the time and I, I know you're new, where'd you move from? And we started a conversation and she ended up being like a really good friend of mine and we had the same social studies class that next year and sat next to each other. And so I thought that was really cool and it didn't take anything besides me giving up an apple, right? But then like other people going out of their way, I got to see the good in other people after they kind of got that kickstart with that little apple, you know? And I think that that is what goodness is. When you surround yourself with people that are good and kind, you start to pick up those mannerisms, right? Because you're shaped by what you live in close proximity to. And when you spend time with Jesus day in and day out, you start to pick up things and you start to notice people and get out of the way of yourself and not think, can't deal with that right now. But you actually start to get into people's lives. Because kindness is what you do, but goodness is who you are. And it's not about being a quote-unquote good person, but having good intentions because you love those around you, whether or not you're the same or not go back to our story. I was reading it this last week, and I started to notice a couple of things that I thought were pretty cool. Remember how the Samaritan came up to the guy, and he's like bandaging him up, and he pours oil and wine on him? 
I started thinking about, well, that happened to somebody else that I know, and it was kind of a weird interaction, as I'm sure this probably was. And I thought, this is what that woman did with Jesus when she met him. She saw him for who he was, and she wanted to serve him in this way. And then he puts him on an animal, probably a donkey, and I started thinking, man, somebody else rode a donkey, this like royal animal that kings would ride on. I thought that was Jesus, the triumphal entry, when he came in and was going to the cross, and they all cried, Hosanna, God who saves. And then I kept reading, and I thought, I took him to an inn. There's somebody else I know that went to an inn, and there was no room, but was still taken care of. The whole world was taken care of at Jesus' birth. When he was born in a nasty little manger, and I think about the disgust of that, like hay and dirt and straw and childbirth. And then I think, this man beaten half to death, which from what I hear with childbirth, that's pretty much the same thing. And I think, wow, maybe it's not intended for that, but I started seeing Jesus throughout this story that he tells about who is my neighbor. Now, there's a need for Jesus because this world isn't how he designed it to be, right? There's death and decay. People get beat up, literally. We're left in our own filth and sin. It's beaten us, it's bruised us, and we're laying there waiting for somebody to come along. And, you know, Jesus isn't probably going to walk up to you today and be like, somebody who's living in close proximity to him and being shaped to be kind and to be good as he was. He was kind. He had mercy on us because he left his high place in heaven to come down here and to help us when we couldn't help ourselves. And he's good. We sing it all the time, but he's good. He had no sin, no evil in him. And instead of just saying sin's gone. He actually came down and did things. Acts of kindness, acts of goodness on the cross. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that because he loved us. He went above and beyond becoming like us to save us. So I'm going to invite the band to come up here as we close. You see, kindness is an act that you can do, but goodness is who you are inside. And when you spend time with Jesus, people that look like Jesus and are trying to live in close proximity to Jesus, you start being shaped to be kind and to be good. And that's simply just going above and beyond of what you think you can physically do, because it's not about you. And it's noticing people and humbling yourself to love those that may not be just like you. Because when Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, he meant it. Look at the last line. The man said, the one who showed him mercy was the, was the hero of the story. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com